that song, I don't know about you guys, um, if you were to drive past me on the road and my windows were rolled up and you couldn't hear anything, but if you saw me driving with one hand and the other arm flailing, that's probably because I'm listening to that song. It does it to me every time. Every time I'm in the car, every time I'm at home, every time these guys are practicing and singing, it stops me dead in my tracks. And it helps me remember that for all of those things <laughs> that I don't know, how many of you guys are becoming really comfortable with the phrase, I don't know? I don't know. I don't know. The older I get, the more comfortable I am with it. You know, you're young and you think you know, and then you get older and you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus is who he says he is, that God is love, that his love is without limit. Um, and then one thing we're going to look at this morning is that his love is within us, that great, big, unlimited love somehow, somehow is also within us, and that is a miracle, right? Before I get too far into it, um, I want, did all the ladies get a little card? All the ladies, did you get your card? Inviting you to the ladies' brunch on November 5th. Nope, yep, Friday, nope, Saturday. I do it every time. I have a niece that was born on Friday, February 5th, so it's really hard for me to say Saturday, November 5th. Saturday, November 5th, 10 to 12, all you have to do is bring a potluck, dish, um, something that you want to share, and maybe a friend. Maybe that neighbor that you've wanted to invite, but you've been unsure about what to invite them to. This would be a great place. We're just going to sit at the table. We're going to eat. We're going to have some fun. We're going to hang out. So we would love for you to be there. Um, trunk or treaters today, just to set your mind at ease, if you uh, get out there at 1.30, We'll be there ready to uh, set up our cars. Super excited about the event. We have, I think at last count, over 4,000 pieces of candy. And that's not including what everybody else brought on their own. So we're super excited about passing all of that out to the kiddos. We hope there's a great turnout. It's going to be a ton of fun. The weather's awesome. How many of you remember the year that we did a small town festival and it was freezing? Like freezing cold. It was the one year we had the dunk tank. Remember? It was awesome. Then the next year we had it. And it was like 100 degrees outside. It was so hot. Um, there was a point where my mom was with me. She was like a little farmer, and she had on overalls. I thought she was going to pass out, and I was going to have to take her to the hospital. It was so hot. Not today. Today, we don't have either extreme, so we're super excited about that. Um, I think that's it for the little announcements that I wanted to make. Oh, no, no, one more. I knew there was one more. Uh, thank you guys for your generosity. We've um, collected quite a, a, a really nice sum of money to give to people who, are hurt, who, have, who were hurt by, by Ian. Um, and we've given some of that. We're going to give the rest of it um, in this next week. And so thank you very much. Your generosity is just outstanding. So thank you very much for that. Um, before we get too far into uh, what I have to say today, I want to start off with a few thoughts that I just want to kind of set as like, you know how you go on a, a road trip and you get the playlist ready and it's, you plug it in or whatever, it used to be, you know, you used to make the mixtape, you know, and play it, uh, but now we get the playlist and it's all ready to go and it kind of sets the tone for the journey, right? You kind of, it's either in the background, maybe sometimes it's in the forefront and it's just right up there, you're singing along, or maybe sometimes it's just kind of in the back and everybody's quiet. So 
here, here's the playlist for the day. What I want to make sure that we know, make sure that we understand about God and his love before we get into uh, kind of the bulk of what I want to say here. So let's begin with this. Our God is love. That's where we're going to start. Our God is love. His patience, Lauren, defies time and space. It goes beyond us, right? His kindness goes beyond what we can think or imagine. His word, Jesus, who is the expression of his thoughts, was in the beginning, and this word will never wither. This word will never fade, but it will always endure. While the word spoke creation and all of existence into being, it's not braggadocious, right? And it never, never seeks its own good. It's always seeking our good. He gave us his word as a promise of forgiveness, a tangible example of just how far he was willing to go. And he keeps no record of wrong. He rejoices in the righteousness that is from him and by him and not of works. He rejoices in the truth that we are his children and we will live with him forever. And nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing can separate us from him. He's given us a helper who will bear all things with us, who believes all things for us, and who fills us with hope and an enduring strength. He will never fail. He will never fail us, even if we fail him. And it is in these truths that as they sink in, we will grow and mature, and we will see that he offers us a new life, a family life, a secure life. He offers friendship and freedom and faithfulness. His love is all around us. His love is in us, and his love is for us. I wanted to do this. His love is for us, right? Sorry. I just saw it, and I had to share it. Um, his love is all around us, in us, and for us. His love is beside us. It's beside us, it's among us, and it's between us. It's everywhere. His love is seen in arms open wide. In his embrace, I'm going to do it. In his embrace, we have nothing to fear or hide, right? In his love, we have nothing to fear or hide because our God is love. And so it's with these truths, these are the things that are going to play in the background all the way through the message today for the next few minutes. And as I thought about what love without limit might mean and, and how, um, how can we talk about this really simple sentence, love without limit, right? Bonk. It's just, it's three words. How can so many of us talk about such a small sentence and have something new to say about it every time. And I think I found something that was kind of cool, at least it was cool for me, um, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. And as I, because I'm the uh, kids pastor, uh, lots of times I have to, well, not lots of times, I don't have to. 
I choose to teach out of the Old Testament, okay? The Old Testament isn't easy to teach out of, right? Can you guys imagine having to teach some of those Old Testament stories? Uh, They're not easy. Not all of them are easy. Um, Several years ago, when I first started acting as, or I first got the job as the children's pastor, it was really easy at first because I could talk about Jesus and I could talk about, you know, him walking on the water and him being born and all of these things, you know, I could talk about Jesus' friends and it was really easy. It was really cool. And about a year probably into it, um, I had one of the little girls, uh, well, I was telling the story and uh, as I often tell stories, I ask questions and I was asking the kids the question. I don't remember exactly what the question was, but I remember the answer to the question was Jewish. That was the answer. And I thought to myself, um, okay, they weren't getting the answer. They weren't picking it up in the way that I wanted them to. They weren't getting my hints. They weren't answering it. So I thought I would kind of coax them into it. And, um, And I asked the question, and they didn't get it. And so finally, I just said the answer. The answer is Jewish. And one little girl laughed out loud. She goes, Miss Leslie, Jewish? She thought I was joking. She thought it was a word I made up. She had never heard the word before. And I thought, oh, oh my goodness. Maybe I need to go back. And yes, while teaching about Jesus and all that is important, it is good that the kids have some basis of where they're coming from and what we're talking about, right? And so as I, I'm, I'm constantly aware of the Old Testament in my life and in my teaching, and I just love it. I love digging in and finding things. And so as I thought about love without limit today, um, I knew these truths, I knew this playlist, and I thought, what does the Old Testament have to say about God's love? How is the word there in the Old Testament, how is it similar to, how is it different than the word love in the New Testament? I figured there would be some difference, otherwise Jesus wouldn't have had to come and explain his father, right? So there had to be something that was different in the Old than the New. And so it set me on this journey that we're going to go on here for a little bit. And when you set out on a road trip, right? It's helpful to know your destination. It's helpful to know where you're going to go. It's helpful to know roads you should maybe avoid, It's helpful to know roads that you can go on, right? And it's helpful to know what you might expect on that road. Like, is there a Bucky's? Is there a Cracker Barrel, right? You kind of want to know what's out there as you go. Uh, Years ago, we went to, uh, we drove all the way to uh, Virginia, and I think we ate at Cracker Barrel, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This was, I think it was before Bucky's, right? We ate at uh, Cracker Barrel, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for days on end. Anyway, so it's good to know what to expect. So it's always good to know where you're going, right? And where we're going today is God's love without limit. God's love without limit is um, within us, right? It is within us. The first road that we need to know to avoid is that God's limitless love, God's limitless love is not based on a love-hate relationship. Now that might sound weird, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. We also want to know that the road, we'll find out that the road uh, that we can take is that God's limitless love is based on a love-love relationship. And we'll talk about that. And finally, we'll talk about God's limitless love changes us because his unlimited love, that's a lot of limitless and unlimiteds, his unlimited love is in us. So as we begin, where are we going? 
we're going to God's love is without limit and it is within us. And my first directional point is this, that God's limitless love is not based on a love-hate relationship. Now, we've already talked about uh, the Old Testament and how it's hard kind of sometimes. And I want you to know that for me, I sometimes, I've already talked about it a little bit, but I, I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the Old Testament. Well, maybe hate's too strong. Um, maybe it's a love and I have a lot of questions statement, right? Love and I have a lot of questions for you, God, kind of relationship. And as we, because as we've grown in our relationship, as we've grown in our understanding of God and his love and his grace, there are a lot of questions that come up. And I just want to read you a couple of verses that show you what I'm talking about here. This is the struggle that I have. And that show you, like, sometimes when we hold up our Bible and we say, this is the word of God and it never fails and it will never... Okay, sometimes we have to be careful and know what we're talking about. Because believe it or not, there are some things that are said in here that are really hard to swallow. Really hard. One of those things would be Psalms 137.9. And I'm not giving you these references, but if you want to come and ask me for them later, I'll tell you. Psalm 139 says this. How blessed, it starts off great. How blessed will be the one who seized and dashes your little ones against the rock. That's rough, right? That's in the Bible, Psalm 137.9. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 3. Now King Solomon loved many women, right? He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a lot. That's a lot. I have to teach the kids from the Old Testament. I have to be careful with stuff like this. That's not for first graders, right? It's not for us. Ah, I don't want to know about that. Exodus 21, here's another one. This one's just rough. Exodus 21, 20. If a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod, okay, and he dies at his hand, he shall be punished, okay? I don't like the slave part. I don't like the rod part, but at least somebody's getting punished. If, however, he survives a day or two, no vengeance shall be taken, for he is his property. That's in the Bible. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. We need to have that playlist playing. We need to be secure in it. We need to know those songs, right? So the old and the new, there's something there that's missing in the old. It's there. It's woven. I get it. It's there. But there's something in the new. There's something in that playlist that changes the old, right? And we have to know it, and we have to be careful about it. So as I began to teach the kids a couple times, you know, I thought, oh, uh, how about we go through the Hebrews 11 list? Because at least they made it into the New Testament. So they should be fine to teach. Have you, do you know the guys in Hebrew 11? Like you've got murderers, you've got adulterers, you've got, you've got Noah. Okay, Noah is, is like my sticking point story. You know Noah that has the cute little pictures in every kid's Bible. Noah's included. Every kid's Bible. And it's the cute little pictures with the cute little animals two by two going up in the cute little ark. And there's cute little Noah with his staff and his family behind him, you know. The cute little kid stories don't tell about the water raising and into the nostrils of every living being and snuffing them out. 
cute little Bible stories don't talk about that part very much. That's hard for me as a swimmer. I know what it feels like to get water up your nose. It hurts. It hurts. Jesus' lineage, Tamar, (laughs) she's a mess, right? There's a lot in there that's hard to understand. Pause here for just a second. A number of years ago, I um, was getting ready to go to work, and my kids were young enough to leave at home alone, or old enough to leave at home alone, but young enough that they needed a list of what I expected them to do that day. They might still be in that spot, um, but we're trying to move away from the list, right? So I left them a list of what to do that day, and on that list included, you know, do the bathroom and the kitchen and and bring in the trash cans. Earlier that morning, Alan and I had drug out, oh, it was like four or five trash cans full of yard trash. Hurricane Alan had hit our backyard and trimmed all the bushes and the trees, and I mean, there was like debris everywhere. We had shoved them into the cans, and we pulled them out because the yard trash was going to run that day. So I wrote on the list, bring in the trash cans, right? So I go to work, I come home always hoping and expecting the best of my children, uh, maybe said with a little bit of sarcasm, but always hoping that they completed what was on the list. They did what I asked them to do. I get home, I drive up into the driveway, and lo and behold, the trash cans weren't there. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, they're getting it. And I had a little bit of trash in the car, and so I went to get the trash, and I was going to take it around to the side of the house where the trash cans were at the side of the house, and I got back there, and guess what? The trash cans were there, full of yard trash, full. They had drugged them back. I don't know. It must have taken them 15 minutes. That's how long it took us to take it out. I mean, there they are, pulling and pulling. And I'm thinking, what in the world were you thinking? And you know what they were thinking? It was on the list, and so I did it. That was it. That was it. And I knew instantly I couldn't be mad at them. They were right. I didn't clarify pull in the trash cans after the trash runs. I just assumed they got it. Right? And I feel like with what I've discovered about this, there's one little word we're going to talk about here in a minute, this one word that I've discovered. I feel like that's some of what has happened to some of these guys in the Old Testament. I think they tried really hard to obey, but I think they missed it. I think there was a piece that they were missing, that they didn't understand. And I know that piece is what God came back, what Jesus did when he came back to explain his father. So here's the word. The word is loving kindness, okay? So there are other words for love in the Old Testament, but loving kindness is the, is the one that we're going to look at because loving kindness is the one that that popped into my head. So there's Psalms 136, right? Or Psalm 136. That um, if you guys know that, we're going to read it here for a little bit. I'm going to have you guys help me. Psalm 136 is the psalm where um, David has written a line. Uh, He says something, and then after that he says, um, for his love is everlasting. All right? For his, or his loving, loving kindness is everlasting. Sorry, is that up there? His loving kindness is everlasting. So I'm going to read a line, and then I want you to repeat, for his loving kindness is everlasting. All right, that's how this, we're not going to do the whole thing. We're just going to do some of it. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods for. 
Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Okay, his loving kindness is everlasting. Sounds good so far, right? God of God, Lord of Lords, it goes into uh, the one who created the sun and the moon and all of these things. There's all of these things in there. And then we reach verse 10. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. That doesn't sound very loving kind to me. He smote their firstborn? Raise your hand if you're a firstborn. That's us. That's us. Most of us in here aren't Hebrews. We would have been smote. That's not, that's not very loving kind. Something's off here. Okay, and then he keeps going. He keeps going, you know, and God that divided the Red Sea and the Israel passed Awesome. Awesome stuff. Except... Uh, But then he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. Not good news. The everlasting God isn't good news to the guys that were drowning in the Red Sea. He wasn't good news to them. He was bad news to them. Right? So I looked up this word, loving kindness. I needed to know what it meant. And guess what I found? I found something really fun. This word for loving kindness, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so please don't judge me by the way I pronounce this word in a second. Please don't judge me if I don't understand it completely. I'm letting you, I'm, I'm just letting you into the process of my brain that saw this and was like, oh no, I think, oh, I think there's something here. So this word for loving kindness, it is the Hebrew, Strong's Hebrews 26, 17, if you want to look it up. Um, and it is, it's called kesed, kesed, I think is the way you pronounce it. And it has a part A, part A to kesed, which means goodness and kindness. And that's kind of what we would expect of God's love, right? Goodness and kindness, it's kind of, and we get there. But when there's a part A, guess what that means? It means there's a part B, You're, you guys are so smart. There's a part B, and part B to this word is pity, shame, and reproach. This is their idea of God's loving kindness. That there is, Kassed, goodness, kindness, pity, shame, and reproach. Something's missing there. Something's off. To me, that's a very human way to look at love. We start off liking somebody. We love them, and things are good, and they're kind, and whatever. And then maybe somebody does something that we don't like, and there becomes this hierarchy where what I do is good and what you do is bad, or vice versa, and somebody has pity on somebody, and then that leads to shame, and that leads to reproach. And we can see, no wonder David wrote this. He experienced in his people all the good and the love and the kindness. But the shame and the reproach, those were for the, that was for those guys over there. Right? And the thing is, we're those guys. <laughs> right? In what he wrote. It's good that we understand God's loving kindness. It is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing that out. But I just, I think there's something to this word that kind of has to make a stop and go, Ah, it's different. It's different. The loving kindness of the old is different than the unlimited love of God that is now, that's in the the playlist. 
If that loving kindness, if that word with the shame and reproach, there would be an unlimited amount of shame and pity and reproach connected to God's love forever. I think Jesus changed that. I think he did something there that changed all of it. I'm not saying that the Hebrew people, um, you know, were any different than my sweet kids who were just trying to do what they understood, the object to be. It's just what they understood. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have the spirit like we have. And they had occasional words from him every now and then, but they didn't have him in the same way that we do. No wonder Jesus had to come and explain his father. And if, if you don't know that reference, it's in the first chapter of John, where it says that Jesus came to explain his father. Jesus came to say, no, 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 no. There's no love and hate existing in the love of my father. It's not love and hate. It's love, love. And how do I know this? How do I know that Jesus changed all of this? Because he removed pity's hierarchy when he descended from heaven and became one with us, right? When he came here, he destroyed pity. He's not looking down going, oh, you know, poor thing. She's, she's missing it down there. No, he came down here with us. And he... He lived here on earth with us. And while he was hanging on the cross, I'm not going to lie, probably naked, right? Because that is how the Romans did things in those days. That was part of the crucifixion experience. And none of us wants to think about that. None of us wants to think about Jesus hanging naked on the cross. But you know what? What was the first thing Adam and Eve did when they messed up so badly? They realized they were naked and they covered themselves up. Jesus then comes hanging naked on a cross and he takes all of that shame upon himself and he takes it to the grave. And guess what's left there? <laughs> that shame is left there. That, that shame, he took it away. And he removed reproach right? He removed reproach when he said, love your neighbor, yep, but love your enemy. Shame and pity and reproach aren't any part of our relationship with God, of God's love for us. So that's where we're not going to go. <laughs> we're not going to go down a road that says God's love God's love has any shame or pity or reproach attached to it. But where we are going to go, the road we are going to take is God's limitless love is based on a love, love relationship. Love, love re relationship. The, Hebrew, or the uh, Greek word for love, you all know, you're probably all familiar with it, is agape. Is agape. Um, there's actually three kind of words in there. 20, it's uh, Strong's Greek 25, 26, 27, if you want to look it up. Um, 25 is the verb, meaning to love right? 26 is a noun. That means it's describing the thing of love and goodwill. And then 27 is the, the people of love, the people who are called that. So beloved, those are all, they're all based in the same kind of root word. Um, and let me give you some quick agape facts here. We're not going to spend a ton of time here, but um, Christians were really the first ones 
Early church Christians were the first ones to make this agape word popular. It was used a little bit here and there, but it was really the Christians who were like, no, this is a word we're going to use. Like how many years ago did anybody Google anything? right? They would have laughed at you and said, you're crazy. And then all the people got their little computers and started Googling things. And all of a sudden we all know what Google means, right? To Google, (laughs) the verb, right? It's kind of like that. Agape was this word, but it was the Christians who made it popular and said, no, this is a thing. This is a real thing. And what I found really interesting is in the use of agape in the New Testament, 70% of the times that it's used in any one of those three variations of it. Um, 70% of it is either Paul or John. Now, that's interesting to me because those are the two guys that moved the farthest away. If, if life is on a timeline, right? You have the Old Testament, you have the Old Covenant, you have Jesus, and then you have time after that, right? So John was the apostle who lived the longest, right? He used that word agape a ton. It's like the more it sank in, The more he listened to it, the more he lived it, he realized that this was the thing. In fact, he called himself the beloved, right? He called himself the favorite of God. He knew that this love was very different, very different than the loving loving kindness that, that he had come to understand or that he knew before. And then there's Paul. Paul, who was also just a smidge removed, right? He didn't walk with Jesus, right? He experienced God's love later. And then not only did he experience God's love with with the revelation that he had on the road, he experienced it in the people that should have hated him or that had hated him. He experienced this agape, this new kind of love from people who um, would have wanted to keep their distance from him. And he experienced something, right, that was different. And he knew it was different. There's something going on here. And so he used that word a lot. And then I found it was really cool because the other thing I really wanted to look at was this word agape along with abide. Because the two words together, you've got this love that is based solely on love. And you've got this love that we know is living within us. John 15, 9 says, As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. There's no shame here. There's no reproach here. There's no pity. There's the Father loving the Son, the Son loving us, and us living in all that love, and that love living in us, right? Do you guys see it? It's a love, love relationship. 1 Corinthians, of course, Paul talks about now faith, hope, and love abide in these three, but the greatest is of love. There's so many verses that talk about this love. John 3, 16, all of them. And then there's Clark Witten. There's Clark Witten who says, I have studied, thought about, and considered the things of God for over 50 years, and I have never seen a more profound truth then God loves us. And that's a pretty big deal. It is profound because it's a pure love. It's a perfect love. It's a love that's based on him and not us. So that's our road that we're taking. We're traveling down, all right? And now really quickly, what can we expect as we travel down the road. This is my third and final point before we get to go home and get ready for the trunk or treat and eat lunch and all that. 
What can we expect as we travel this road? I wish I could tell you it was really easy. I wish I could tell you it was really fun and really enjoyable. And while there are moments of it, I have found this road to be really uncomfortable. While God is the God of comfort, this unlimited, this limitless love of God is, is in here, but it doesn't always come out of my flesh the way it should. It's uncomfortable. This love takes us to uncomfortable places. This love takes us to places where, we need to, where we're asked to love people who have hurt us. Did you picture somebody when I said it? <laughs> this love asks us to love people who have hurt us. This love asks us to be vulnerable. Ugh. I'm not always a huge fan of being vulnerability. I like, I like it when it happens, and when it happens in a trustworthy relationship, oh, but that first step into vulnerability is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to love and be vulnerable or to know who to trust, right? It's uncomfortable to love people who disagree with us. And I am talking about disagreeing with us in religion and politics and social justice and all those things that we have such strong feelings about. And we have all kinds of people here today and online that are listening that probably if you sat down, you probably shouldn't talk about love and religion or uh, religion and politics at the table. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should. I don't know. It's one of those things I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do it all. I know we have strong feelings about these things. And I know somebody else has just as strong feelings and you would disagree. This love asks us to love each other. This love asks us to find a way to sit at the table with people that we might disagree with. I don't always know, how, I don't know how to do it. I don't. But I know that somewhere in this love, love relationship with God, we can. It's uncomfortable, but that's what God's unlimited love will do to us. It will push our limits, always. Because you've got this great, big, unlimited love of God, this creator who's expanding and somehow he's within us. And so he's, we're gonna have questions. He's gonna take us to uncomfortable places. He's so big and his love is without limit there are going to be things that our brains can't process. We're gonna reach a point that we can't think it through, right? But we can love because that love is within us. No matter how hard we try, we may come up empty-handed when we think about how to do these things. And we may have to leave it at, I don't know, but we can sit at the table. And we can hear Jesus speak. We can hear Jesus speak to us. That playlist that's going on in the back of our heads that God is love. We can hear him say, rest. I'm right here. I've got you. I've got him. I've got her. I've got him. I've got him right here. And he will say, I'm right here to help. 
He will say, I offer you a new life, a family life, a secure life. I offer friendship and faith and freedom. My loving kindness is without pity or shame or reproach, and it is everlasting. My love is all around you and in you and for you. My love is beside you, among you, and between you. My love is, my love is here. It's everlasting. Everlasting. See, my love, my arms are open wide in my embrace. Jesus says, you have nothing to fear or hide because I am love. Father God, thank you so much for this day, for this day that you have given to us. God, thank you that we don't have to live life wondering if there's something that we're going to do or something that we're going to say or somewhere we're going to be that takes us from your loving kindness and into shame and reproach. Thank you that we can be secure knowing that we're in love and the only place we can go is love. Your love that is without limit, Lord, and yet is within us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.